It's 11 minutes after 8 p.m. And uh, you tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro with myself, Ayabong Atawe. As always, I'd love to hear from you. Do uh, share with us some of your tweets and uh, share with us what's on your mind. You can do so on Twitter on at Metro FM SA. Use the hashtag Metro FM Talk. Uh, you can also reach out to us on Facebook and uh, we're on uh, Metro FM SA. And uh, let, let us know uh, what... Um, are you thinking this evening? I certainly, uh, just on uh, some of the news that has come through there of uh, that uh, uh, 70.4 billion rand in a rapid financing facility for South Africa. And uh, I, I certainly welcome that. We need all of the resources that we can muster uh, to be able to respond to this challenge. But uh, I do so with uh, some reticence and reluctance. Um, uh, and I think um, certainly that reticence is shared by many South Africans who, when they hear all of these stories about... Um, how uh, some of this money is spent and how it's allocated and to whom it's allocated. Uh, it makes a lot of us uh, sit up and uh, think a bit differently about uh, the allocative mechanisms of uh, how we do this. And as I've said before, I think all of it is really an outcome of how we fashioned our state, not as a developmental state, but as a state that sits there, draws up specifications, and is just a tender issuer. Effectively a contract state. And I think uh, if, if we're going to talk about even some of the gazetted infrastructure projects and everything else, this arm's length relationship between the government and uh, the messy work of getting the work of governance and service delivery done is scary. That's, that's what happens. Uh, if, you, if you're going to decide to be a contract state, don't be surprised when some of the uh, you know, greedy financiers start to, with their messy and grubby hands, um, dip into the social grants of people who need it the most. Or they start to cross-sell uh, insurance, as what we saw in this particular country. Don't be surprised when that happens, uh, when we've created uh, our state just to be one that uh, is really, I guess, geared to outsourcing all of these functions. And uh, effectively, I think many people would say, we've had a, a function of decapacitating the state, and uh, some of the corruption we see now is a manifestation of that particular challenge. You might have a different view. Let me know what you think about that. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, give us a ring on 89 Double seven. We are going to uh, catch up with uh, Tim Bingosim Kalipi, uh, Chief Director uh, at uh, the uh, Department of Employment and Labour uh, in the next few minutes or so. And we're going to talk to him about the Employment Equity Amendment Bill. Uh, but uh, before we do that, I certainly hope that uh, we have with us from the uh, Airports Company of uh, South Africa uh, uh, to uh, talk to us about uh, what's happening in uh, many of our airports. I hope uh, Rafenza Shinners joins us now on the line. Uh, do we have Rafenza on the line? Rafenza? Good evening, Aya. Hi, Rafenza. Sorry, I'm butchering your name as well. Uh, Rafenza, good evening and thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us this evening. Thank you so much for having me. Rafetza, I mean, I guess, you know, uh, many of us would be familiar with uh, the uh, limitations on travel and uh, uh, the impact that that has had on our ability to use air travel to get to and from where we want to get to. And uh, uh, I guess, uh, you know, uh, you yourselves would uh, probably be lamenting that state of affairs uh, because it certainly had a massive impact on your ability to collect revenue. Um, indeed, the impact of COVID-19 um, on not only airport companies in South Africa, but on the aviation industry globally, um, has been quite huge. Um, as you rightfully point out, as, as a business, we have experienced significant loss of revenue since uh, March of this year. Um, and that's because uh, COVID-19 brought air travel to a grinding halt. Uh, 
which meant for us we were not able to collect uh, our aeronautical revenues and mm. non-aeronautical revenues because all of this, uh, all of those, both of those depend heavily on both air traffic movement and passenger traffic. Yeah, yeah. I guess you've also had to invest a lot in uh, occupational health and safety protocols uh, to make sure that uh, uh, some of your centers have had a deep clean, uh, some of the people who work uh, at the airport uh, also comply with some of the uh, regulations here. Uh, what impact, if any, has that had on rebuilding the confidence of passengers, the confidence of consumers uh, to continue to use your products uh, and uh, your services? And uh, have you been able to see, uh, since the aviation sector was opened uh, for business travel, have you been able to see, I guess, uh, 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 you know, a modest return, if at all, uh, to the kind of volumes and uh, to the kind of traffic that you would have seen? So um, we went back three of our international airports, those being OR Tambo International, Cape Town International, and Kinshaka International, went back into operations on the 1st of June under Level 3 um, restrictions. So we saw a very slow yet steady increase of traffic uh, business tra- for business travel. However, we had been hard at work since uh, level five lockdown, preparing for that day. Um, and that included deep cleaning our facilities, sanitizing our facilities, implementing aviation protocols as they have been laid out by the International Civil Aviation Organization and also the Airport Council International in partnership with um, uh, IATA. So we have made sure we've worked with our airline partners to make sure that we implement all those protocols to the T to ensure um, passenger safety and also to make sure that our spaces are sterile and hygienic. However, I must point out that, you know, um, um, breakouts are not new to aviation. One industry that has been exposed to those over the past two, three decades has been the aviation industry. There was the N1H1 breakout, there was the SARS breakout, there was the Ebola breakout. And as as an industry, we had to respond to those. So COVID-19 was not an unusual occurrence. However, mm. its scale was quite significant and unusual. So we had to bring back those protocols that we've always had, and we sort of had to increase them. Uh, in response to COVID-19. So if there's one public transport industry that is geared up to ensure hygiene and safety, the highest hygiene and safety standards are in place, it's aviation. Um, I mm. know some people may may like to believe that aviation is a vector for the virus. In fact, the, the opposite is true. Because in the aviation space, that's where you're going to find the strictest of protocols to ensure passenger safety. Yeah, yeah. And maybe uh, before we let you go, Rafetz, unfortunately, we, we have run out of time here. But uh, I guess the, the, the big question for many a listener and uh, a potential passenger for you who is listening in would be, well, what tips, if any, would you give to somebody who is set to travel um, or is planning uh, some uh, travel in the next coming days or so? Uh, in navigating the airports. We know we're in a difficult moment where people are very anxious about going into public spaces. Uh, what advice, if any, would you give to them about preparing for that trip, but also when it comes to uh, compliance with health and safety obligations? First and foremost, um, I'd advise them to prepare way in advance um, to 
to do as much as they can uh, from home, uh, be it checking online. If you have the facilities to even print your boarding pass on uh, at home, do that. Um, they need to arrive at the airport two hours ahead of the scheduled flight because they are going to be subjected to health screening protocols. If you are unable, uh, if passengers are unable to print their boarding passes, we still have our self-service kiosks, which are regularly sanitized to ensure um, uh, uh, to ensure um, that they uh, adhere to um, very high hygiene levels. Uh, there's very minimal contact, even uh, if passengers have a need to check in mm. through the check-in counters. Even in sec- with security, you are expected to scan your own boarding pass. Even as you board the aircraft, you are expected to scan your own boarding pass. You are expected mm. to wear a mask from the time you reach the terminal building until you reach the destination airport. So even on board an aircraft, you are expected to wear a mask at all times. We have mm. plenty sanitizers throughout the airport terminal, so you can never be uh, uh, never be short of that. Um, and also, like I said, make enough provision for, for checking procedures when you get to the airport. And people have nothing to be afraid of in terms of air travel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I want us to prepare ourselves even for when domestic travel opens. Those who need sure, to travel sure. for business, you are welcome. You are safer traveling by air than any other mode of transport. Uh, mm-hmm. And also as we open, as we gear ourselves towards opening for domestic travel, we're saying to people, Air travel remains the safest form of travel um, and would encourage people to consider it going forward. Rafetsa Shinners, thank you very much for your time and uh, for joining us this evening here on Metro FM Talk for our second part of our business wrap. Uh, Rafetsa is the Group Executive for Corporate Affairs at the Airports Company of South Africa.